You're listening to the Lawn Care Business Success Podcast, brought to you by Exmark Manufacturing. 30 years of pioneering spirit and innovation have resulted in legendary durability, all-day comfort, and unmatched cut quality. Go check them out at exmark.com. You're listening to the Lawn Care Business Success Podcast, the weekly show sharing proven methods and systems in marketing, equipment, and customer service, educational and motivational to help make your lawn care business an overwhelming success. Now, here's your host, Julio Tomei. Welcome, Lawn Care Nation, to another episode of the Lawn Care Business Success Podcast. I'm your host, Julio Tomei, and this is episode number 378, entitled Know Your Worth. Well, hello, everybody, and thanks again for joining me this week on another episode of the Lawn Care Business Success Podcast. Really appreciate you guys tuning in each and every week, and of course, for those questions, the comments, and the feedback that you guys have been sending through, I really do appreciate it. Uh, this is uh, an exciting week for a lot of you guys. It is uh, October the 11th. That means we're one week away uh, from uh, the GIE, or sorry, GIE Expo, the Equip Expo, I should say. It's still ingrained in my head, the GIE Expo. Uh, now known as the Equip Expo. So, uh, yeah, very exciting, uh, in, uh, you know, the, uh, green industry. Uh, for those of you uh, guys that, uh, you know, have attended in the past, uh, my last time was uh, 2019, just before, uh, the, uh, world, uh, apocalypse there. And, uh, it's been, um, yeah, it was a fantastic time. I know I've talked about it at length here. Just a quick reminder to you guys, if you guys are looking to book your show passes, you can still use those uh, discount codes, but only, I believe, uh, until the 14th. So you have a few days left. After that, uh, then it'll only be able to get show passes at the door at full price. Uh, so I believe it's up until the 14th that you can use... Uh, any uh, sort of discount codes or anything like that. Uh, my uh, discount code, of course, as I've uh, mentioned before, is uh, Julio, J-U-L-I-O. Uh, and uh, you can head on over to uh, lawncarebusinesssuccess.com uh, forward slash equip. That'll take you right to the registration page uh, with the uh, discount code already applied. And that'll get you uh, 50% off of your show passes. So uh, just uh, a fantastic uh, deal. Uh, so if you're looking to do that, uh, don't hesitate now. It's uh, coming up on the last few days uh, that you'll be able to uh, sort of pre-register to do that. And you don't have to worry about, uh, you know, thinking um, that, uh, you know, there's not enough time for that because, you know, they mail out the passes and stuff. They've stopped mailing out the passes now for this year. So basically, uh, when once you register, you get like a QR code type of a deal or a barcode. And they will have, from my understanding, kiosks set up uh, at the show expo itself where you can then just show your QR code or barcode uh, into a machine and it will spit out your show pass. They're also, from my understanding, uh, going to have these kiosks set up at the airport as well. So when you're arriving there in Louisville, I think you'll be able to uh, scan your show passes and get your uh, printed out, uh, score, scan your barcode and then get your printed out show passes right there at the airport, as well as select hotels will also have kiosks set up as well. Uh, so probably some of the, uh, you know, if you've got uh, or are staying in a hotel, that's probably like on the list of partner hotels that they have on the Equip Expo website, then a good chance that those are the hotels that will have uh, some of those kiosks. But again, don't quote me on that. And you know, as a last resort, of course, just head to the expo because they will have, uh, you know, obviously kiosks or ways to print out your show passes there uh, once you show them your registration. So you don't have to worry about it being too late and, you know, you're not going to get the passes in the mail quick enough or whatever the case may be. Uh, this year, they've completely changed it. They're not mailing out any of the show passes. It's strictly just like a barcode uh, that you get. Uh, and then uh, you're going to show that uh, once you get there and it'll print out your uh, your show pass once you're there. So, uh, also, uh, just a quick little uh, happy Thanksgiving uh, to those of you in Canada, or should I say happy belated Thanksgiving, uh, as it was this past weekend, uh, for those of you in Canada. I know uh, for me, I celebrated, of course, and not only with my own family, but with extended family and friends and uh, all that, so it was a good time all around. 
and uh, looking forward to uh, the U.S. Thanksgiving coming up around uh, the corner. It'll be here before we know it. And uh, I'm uh, one of those people that uh, likes to celebrate both, uh, you could say, uh, with our uh, having our recreation property uh, there in the U.S. We'll uh, you know celebrate our Canadian Thanksgiving here, but then... Uh, you know, we usually head down for the U.S. Thanksgiving to our property there and uh, have a full Thanksgiving dinner uh, while we're over there. So, hey, what can I say? We like turkey dinner and stuffing and all that, especially the stuffing. That's my favorite. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> one of those, uh, just one of those things we like to partake on uh, both sides of uh, the border is uh, Thanksgiving festivities. Uh, so, uh, yeah, again, happy Thanksgiving to all those uh, Canadians uh, this past weekend. Uh, so this uh, past week, uh, actually this uh, past Thanksgiving weekend, one of the things that I did besides eating uh, a bunch of turkey and uh, stuffing and, uh, oh, did I mention the pumpkin pie? That was really good too, uh, is uh, I decided to um, work on my truck a little bit. Uh, I had some issues. I don't know if I mentioned in the beginning of the year, uh, if you watch my YouTube channel, I did some videos, sort of like a truck series of upgrades and things I was doing to the truck. I ultimately decided to keep the truck. I was thinking about buying a new truck and got some really good advice from, from some friends uh, in the industry, uh, namely uh, Paul Camara uh, from uh, uh, Spring Green there. You guys know uh, Paul uh, and uh, also uh, Cameron Um uh, from uh, Grassmasters uh, in uh, Missouri, he likes to say. Uh, so, yeah, they both gave me some good advice on uh, keeping uh, the truck, and I decided to take their advice. And, uh, you know, it, uh, I think, was a good decision uh, with uh, just the way things was kind of playing out uh, with chip shortages and all that stuff and just the crazy sort of prices of vehicles right now skyrocketing. Uh, you know, my truck had a lot of life uh, still in it and uh, being a diesel and stuff and in fairly good condition, just had some minor things that, you know, over the years wear and tear and, and things that wear out. So I've been tackling a lot of that stuff over uh, the season, uh, mostly in the preseason. I did a lot of it before the the uh, grass cutting season even started this year. Uh, but one of the things I was waiting for to repair uh, and waiting for better weather was some rust issues along the rocker panels uh, on the crew cab. So there was a couple little spots I started to notice, um, just some little like rust stains kind of popping up on the white paint there. And then I noticed on the driver's side that uh, when I took a like closer look that there was like a hairline crack uh, there. So it was obviously some, you know, some rust issues there. So uh, I'd been waiting for, you know, the good summer weather and stuff like that. And with summer and things, things got, uh, you know, pretty crazy, pretty busy. So I hadn't had a chance to address it. But, you know, having, um, you know, this crazy sort of extended summer that I talked about uh, in last week's uh, episode, decided that, hey, you know what, I better tackle this because the rain is going to come, Reg you know, at some point in time, the rain will come. Um, so, you know, I decided, you know, let's let's do it now while we still feel like we're uh, having some summer weather here. So I picked up uh, a little uh, spot sandblaster um, to hook up to my large uh, air compressor. And uh, it's one of those like uh, portable, uh, basically a, like a portable spot uh, sandblaster. It's like a container. A big container, uh, it holds about 50 pounds of blast media. You fill it up and then it's got like a 15 foot hose on it. And then your uh, sandbass gun and you hook up your airline to the gun itself. So I thought uh, my reasoning behind this was because I thought, you know, I could sand those areas down, get them to bare metal and stuff. But there was some spots I figured because you could see the paint was bubbling and stuff. So I figured, you know what, it's probably pitted metal there. And in the past, in my, you know, in my youth, uh, when I had like, you know, got my first car, uh, which was a 78 Camaro and stuff, it had some rust issues. And, you know, I was like, uh, you know, 17 or 18 years old at the time and <clears throat> wanted to do some repairs myself. So, you know, I would do that. I would like sand the paint down to the bare metal and then, you know, try to fix those areas of rust and stuff. And, you know, nothing crazy. I wasn't cutting out metal and stuff because it was all like little spots and things. Uh, so I would just like sort of, uh, you know, 
sand it down to the metal and then, you know, prep it with just like primer it and then put some like Bondo or something and then, you know, sand it all, get it all ready and then paint it and all that. And, but what I found was because it was pitted and stuff, you couldn't get the rust out of all the little pits and things. So it would eventually just come back. So my theory or thought here was, well, you know, when I got my trailer redone, when I left the franchise uh, lawn mowing company uh, to do my own brand, uh, that trailer that I currently have was a completely different color. It was like a forest green color. It had the other company's logos all over it. And uh, to be able to, uh, you know, redo the company and all that stuff, I decided to uh, I peeled off all the decals and stuff, but then the green paint, I wanted to switch it to black. So I decided, you know what, I took it to like a truck refinishing place where they sandblasted the entire trailer inside, outside, underneath the whole thing, like right down to bare metal. And that exposed a lot of little areas that had been rusting and stuff and uh, at the time. Uh, and, you know, it was, uh, you know, they basically sandblasted it down, the pitted metal, then they just bondoed over uh and uh, to smooth it out and then you know they put like a good primer and then uh the uh the paint on it and it's been fantastic since uh it's actually better now uh than what it was when that trailer was brand new in the other colors because i reckon that the manufacturer didn't uh prep the metal properly didn't remove a lot of the mill scale and stuff like that that comes on the bare metal so the old paint didn't quite stick as well it wasn't you know the, the rust was showing up a lot quicker in the first 5 years and now the trailer's 12 years old since it's been redone sandblasted and stuff and it's still in you know pretty outstanding condition uh so you know, I took that bit of knowledge thinking, hey, uh, if I get a little sandblaster, then I can sandblast those areas. And then, you know, I can do, you know, if hopefully if it's not huge rust areas, like big gaping holes, then uh, I can probably do the same sort of thing. So I decided to try it out. Uh, I used, I wasn't sure what type of blast media to use. So I just used some regular um, that they had there at the store. I think it was called coal, sl or not coal, it's like a copper slag. Um, just this fine black material. And it said it was good for removing paint and uh, uh, the, 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 the uh, metal mill, whatever I was talking about in that last sentence. I just got a brain fart right now. Sorry about that. Uh, um, uh, from like new metal, uh, that mill scale, that's what I was looking for. Uh, so it removes the like mill scale, uh, paint and sort of, sort of like a light duty type of abrasive. So I tried that on Friday at this little spot sandblaster and it worked fantastically. And it was very precise in terms of like, it wasn't this huge blast zone that you're doing. Um, I had to wear obviously all the proper PPE and all that sort of stuff. I covered my ears and my hair and a full face shield and full respirator and all that sort of stuff uh, to make sure, you know, I'm not breathing in any of the dust and stuff. Uh, but it was a very sort of fine point. Uh, so I was, you know, I was able to get into those fine sort of areas, just those areas where the rust was and stuff, and just remove that without excessively removing a whole bunch of paint around uh, those rusty areas. But I was able to expose that little crack and stuff and uh, some other areas where there was like some bubbling and stuff where, um, you know, once the paint was removed, it was actually like these little holes um, going through. But the backing, the, sort of the outer rocker had the little holes, but right behind it, just a couple millimeters behind it was another piece of metal that was solid. Um, so I didn't even know, I thought it was completely hollow in there, but a friend of mine who works in a body shop uh, was telling me, no, there's like an outer rocker and an inner rocker. So he was saying, so it sounds like your outer rocker, you know, has some holes, but that inner rocker is still good. Uh, so um, because it was just a few millimeters away uh, and, you know, very tiny holes, I thought, okay, well, this will be easy to do just a quick repair on without having to cut out the metal and welding, because that's what I was expecting to have to do, uh, was just to cut out those pieces and then uh, weld in some new pieces and stuff. But I thought, you know what, it's not as bad. I caught it early. Uh, so basically, uh, I then just primed um, those areas uh, that were exposed metal. 
Uh, and then once that uh, was dry, I was able to uh, just put some uh, Bondo uh, over those areas because, like I said, it was like within a millimeter or two of the rocker was this like other metal backing that was nice and solid. Uh, so I was able to uh, put the a Bondo in there. And I thought, you know what, I'll try it and see if it uh, doesn't last or doesn't thing, then, you know, ultimately I'll just cut it out uh, and uh, then uh, weld in something uh, in the uh, winter time or something like that. Um, so I put the Bondo in, then sanded it uh, nice and smooth uh, to the shape and the contours and stuff. And then uh, I primed it again, a couple of coats of primer over that, and then did a couple of coats of uh, the actual uh, paint. And, uh, I got, um, just a spray bomb, spray can of paint, um, from like a local automotive store, uh, made by Duplicolor and they have, uh, I guess, touch up paints in like spray cans. So I looked up the paint code in the glove box and then they had that, that exact, uh, uh, paint color, uh, in the Duplicolor. Um, it was called Olympic white, um, uh, slash summit white. Uh, I guess they called uh, the same paint code, uh, two different names over, I guess, depending on, uh, what year or vehicles it was being used on, but the paint was precise. It was like, even though the truck is like, what is it like 17 years old or 13, I don't, can't remember exactly 2005, but, um, it matched like perfectly. So that was uh, awesome. And uh, it looks uh, great. Uh, you know, of course, if you go up to it and look at it closely and, you know, uh, put a microscope up to it or something, you're going to see imperfections and stuff in the bodywork and things like that. But it is what it is. It's a work truck. The rest of the truck's full of dings and dents and uh, scratches and stuff like that. So I wasn't too worried about, I just wanted to mitigate uh, the rust from spreading and wanted to really experiment uh, with uh, doing it uh, with a sandblaster uh, so that, uh, you know, it would get uh, into those. There was actually a, a couple sections right behind the front fenders towards the bottom. And I've seen that they're notoriously rusty in those areas on other trucks too, uh, where it was uh, all pitted and stuff, but there was no holes. Um, so that was interesting because that's where the sandblaster uh, really shined there, uh, able to uh, remove all the paint and remove all the rust. And you could, it was just left with the bare, uh, metal, but it was like pitted metal, right? So that's where, um, that really shone, right? Cause then I was able to put the, uh, you know, a little skim coat of uh, Bondo over it and smooth it out and then paint it. And, uh, it all turned out uh, fantastic. So, uh, we'll see how that goes, uh, long-term, uh, if that lasts, uh, or if it's something uh, that I'll have to address again uh, in the future, or if sandblasting makes it worse, who knows in the end. But my um, uh, thought is, uh, or my theory at least, is that it'll last longer because uh, just the experience I have with the trailer uh, of it being sandblasted down to bare metal and those rusty areas and all the stuff, that's essentially how they repaired it. So I just kind of followed what they were doing in terms of, you know, anywhere with those pitted metal and stuff. After it was sandblasted, they just put a skim coat of uh, Bondo just to smooth it out so that, uh, you know, it wouldn't be all pitted looking uh, once they painted it. It was all n nice and uh, smooth looking in those areas. And uh, like I said, it's held up fantastically over uh, the last uh, 12 years since it was done. So uh, that is my theory with that. Uh, another uh, quick uh, thing uh, that might be of interest to some of you guys uh is I did, uh, if you haven't caught it uh, this last uh, week, I put out a YouTube video on comparing uh, using a flap disc versus a grinding disc uh, on an angle grinder for sharpening your lawnmower blades. I've always, for the past 17 years, just used an angle grinder with the grinding disc on it, just the standard sort of disc that comes with it. And I had been hearing a lot of, uh, and by hearing, I mean like reading comments and stuff, uh, whenever I post uh, discussions or photos of uh, sharpening blades or things like that in the past and in other, um, you know, posts of other people posting things that uh, flap discs are very popular. So I thought I would try that. So a flap disc is like the disc, you know, it looks the same as sort of a grinding disc, but instead of it being like a solid abrasive it looks like a bunch of stacked um, uh, sandpaper sheets, uh, sort of uh, dominoed on top of each other, where they're kind of overlapping all the way around. Uh, so I decided to try that out to my local store, actually the same store uh, that I bought um, 
the Sand Blaster from. It's uh, it's called Princess Auto here in Canada. It's like our Harbor Freight uh, of the U.S. Uh, same idea, same type of store. Um, uh, kind of a mix, actually, of Harbor Freight and like tractor supply. A lot of parts and things that you can use for projects and things like that. A lot of, uh, you know, tools and stuff like that. Um, so anyways, I got, um, they had, uh, uh, the flap discs there. They had a three pack that had uh, four and a half or four and a half inch uh, grinders. Uh, but it was like an 80 grit, a 60 grit and a 40 grit. Uh, so, uh, you know, really aggressive 40 grit all the way to an 80 grit. So I thought, Hey, that's perfect. Three grits uh, to try in this three pack for like seven bucks. I was like, you know what? I'm going to try them out. So I decided to film that uh, in a YouTube video uh, and, uh, you know, had no prior experience, had never used a flap disc before. Uh, so just filmed it and uh, kind of uh, put my reaction on, uh, you know, the difference. I did uh, sharpen uh, a blade. It took the XSmart Commercial 30 blades. So I did one side right over the first thing I did was I ground one side of the blade with the standard grinding disc first, how I normally always do it. I always just uh, uh, sharpen the blades freehand using the the, the uh, angle grinder with one hand, holding the blade in the other, and sharpen the blade. So I did that, and then I swapped it out for, I started at the smallest grit, so the 80 grit uh, flap disc. I put that in there to see, because I figured, hey, you know, kind of go gently here with an 80 grit, uh, however, uh, you know, um, you know, that is in terms of the three choices that I had, that was the finest one. And, uh, you know, went over uh, the blade on the other side with that and then kind of compared the results and then um, decided to tackle a, a old Honda HRC blade uh, that I pulled out of my scrap metal pile uh, that it was, uh, you know, it was really uh, rusty and old and stuff and decided to see, you know, how the flap disc, uh, the same 80 grit flap disc would uh, do with something like that. I tried uh doing some, you know, taking out burrs and little dings and stuff on the edge of the blade out with a flap disc. I just did a whole bunch of different experiments with the different grits and stuff like that and documented it all on video and uh, then kind of came up with a conclusion on uh, what I prefer. If I prefer doing uh, the blades uh, with the regular uh, grinding disc or uh, if the flap disc uh, is uh, the way to go. So if you're interested in seeing that, seeing how I uh, sharpen blades and, um, you know, comparing the two, a uh, regular grinding disc with the uh, flap discs and uh, different grits and all that sort of stuff, then that video is available on my YouTube channel. Uh, and uh, check it out. It's, uh, it was quite uh, an interesting uh, one for me. Like I said in the beginning of the video, uh, that uh, the video was as much as uh, for myself as it was uh, for the audience uh, uh, watching it, uh, because I was just as curious about doing it, having, having never had experience using a flap disc uh, before uh, for anything, uh, let alone uh, for sharpening uh, blades. So uh, yeah, very, very interesting. So uh, we're just going to take a quick break here and then uh, we'll get into this week's episode with, uh, out into, out any interruptions right after this. So stay tuned. Summer showers, dust that chokes, acres that just won't end. Xmark knows the job of a landscape professional isn't an easy one. That's why we've crafted a legendary line of mowers built to overcome any obstacle. So you're ready to close the deal and finish the job like you always do. Cut from the same red metal as your Xmark mower? You aren't just good at this. You were built for this. Okay, so <clears throat> this week I wanted to talk about uh, the topic of knowing your worth. Uh, so this is really something, um, especially for the new guys out there uh, that are coming on. And it's not talking about... Uh, you know, pricing jobs or uh, anything like that. Um, that is a completely different discussion. It's more of just knowing your own worth uh, and having that confidence of knowing your own worth. Uh, because uh, I'll, uh, how this came about this week uh, was there are, uh, I was talking about last week's uh, discussion about um, uh, last week's episode, sorry, about, uh, you know, thinking about 
with this sort of weird summer and climate change and all that stuff of focusing maybe next year on clients that are, you know, sort of that full service only client, not taking on clients anymore that just want lawn mowing, uh, only taking on clients that want, you know, me to take care of the shrubs and their trees and all that sort of stuff at the same time. So I can focus in on less clients, uh, but having a bigger dollar amount, a bigger uh, value per client uh, moving forward. Uh, because currently I have about uh, half of my clients are like that and the rest are uh, basic just mo uh, type clients. So one of the things that uh, happened last week uh, when I was doing my rounds was there's a couple of clients that I do service uh, where they have a different company come and do all of the fertilizers and the aerations and all that sort of stuff. And typically these are companies uh, that are like sort of the high, big name uh, companies, you know, those big, massive, like the Weedmans, the Neutralons, all that type of stuff that you see that offer that sort of stuff. And the reason, and a lot of times, a lot of these customers, I'm not sure how it is in your area, but in my area, these companies don't do any mowing. They just do those applications. They just do that stuff. And the reason they do that stuff is because it's the highest profit for the least amount of labor. When you think about, you know, mowing a lawn, um, just the time there, right? That exchange of time for money is a lot longer with mowing than, um, you know, say fertilizing a lawn. So, you know, if I mow a lawn for 50 bucks, for example, um, you know, that might, that lawn might take me a half an hour, 40 minutes, whatever the case may be to mow this lawn, to do the trimming, the edging, whatever, by myself, uh, to do like a $50 mow. Whereas, you know, if I go and do a fertilizer, uh, on that same lawn after, um, you know, because typically a lot of the, the fertilizings and stuff that I charge, I'll charge $50 for. Uh, so uh, I'll go and it'll only take me uh, five minutes to go and fertilize a lawn um, to get that same 50 bucks. So yes, there's a material cost there, but it's obviously very minimal uh, compared to, um, you know, the rest of that uh, particular job. So that's why those companies are doing that stuff because it's high profit. They're getting a bigger value for a small amount of effort uh, outlaid uh, in terms of um, the, you know, labor expenses. So, and then they can literally sign up thousands and thousands of customers to do uh, these uh, you know, application uh, type uh, jobs. And in fact, they'll even give uh, better pricing than I could uh, even uh, give uh, because they're like a volume discount, right? They're going to, they're literally signing up thousands of customers and they're pre-selling them on packages for the full year and having those customers on top of that uh, prepay for the service in advance. So the customers are already prepaying for the entire season to get a package where these guys are going to come back and show up and do these uh, types of jobs and stuff. So here is uh, the thing. Like I said, I have a couple of customers that are like that, that have pre-existing, um, you know, arrangements with these other companies. And then they've hired me to do the mowing. Now, typically what will happen is I'll let it slide for the first season because I know the nature of that business. I know that they've already probably prepaid for the entire season. So, you know, I'll let it slide. If they're hiring me to mow their lawn, I'll let them uh, go along with that other company, those big uh, conglomerate type uh, brands uh, to do the fertilizing and all that stuff. But I will, I iterate to them and tell them that, hey, you know, the next year, um, you know, we, you'll need to have me do that stuff if you want uh, that stuff done. Because it only makes sense. If I'm there every week, 
I'm a far better judge of what that law needs than some, you know, minimum wage employee, because it's typically what they are uh, from those uh, big companies doing a bunch of lawns that doesn't care about anything. He's gotten really nothing invested uh, in terms of the relationship or anything with that client. Um, he's just there for two minutes every few months to put something on the lawn. And a lot of the times from my experience that I've seen and heard from clients and seen with my own eyes is them doing things at the wrong time or doing things um, when it really shouldn't be done. I've told the story before about uh, a customer who had, uh, you know, these guys hired and they came and put moss control down, uh, but they didn't put it at the right time. It wasn't the spring. The spring had already passed. So this was summertime that they were putting moss control down. And my only, my, you know, thought or theory behind that is that because they service thousands of customers, they were just working through their list of that stuff and hadn't gotten to this customer, unfortunately, during the spring. And so they still owed them a moss control. They did it in the summer. The problem was, was that this was just before the client, uh, was having a wedding. Um, and I don't think the wedding was in the backyard, but they were definitely having like a barbecue or family get together with like out of town guests in their backyard, like the week before or whatever the case may be. And then, you know, this moss control got put down without anybody knowing and moss control turns moss black. So, you know, a lawn that had a lot of moss in it because it hadn't been addressed in the spring, now all of a sudden had these big, huge black splotches and patches all over the lawn where the moss was uh, dying. When you have all these out of town guests coming and having a barbecue, a get together, you know, and you want to take photos and things like that. And the lawn looks ridiculous. Um, so, you know, that was one example of, uh, you know, just sort of the effects of that, uh, of having you know a company that isn't um, you know doesn't have that invested interest, they're like you know you you've just prepaid them for that sort of uh, whole package all at once. There's not really any accountability uh, with that sort of stuff. Just some random person shows up and, and does stuff um, you know uh, whenever uh, type of a thing. So you know, my thought was always that, you know, when customers are like that, that I'll take them on that first year, because obviously, I don't want to turn them down, especially if they are a customer that is paying for that extra stuff. It's just that I want them to pay me for that extra stuff, not pay uh, some, you know, large uh, conglomerate company. So the other thing that I noticed here is that, you know, I used to, you know, when you're starting out and all that sort of stuff, you get kind of stressed out, um, when there's competition out there, right? Uh, and you worry about that. And your tendency is to then cut your prices. You become sort of the low baller. Um, you know, you would see, you know, even my own house, I would get the flyers in the door, the door hangers and all that stuff from these same companies uh, with their packages. So I know what they're charging for those packages. And I would look at that and go, how is that even, you know, possible to charge just that little for this many, um, you know, application? It would be something like, uh, for example, like, you know, throwing, just throwing a number out there, for example, be like $160 uh, for a package of like four fertilizers, two aerations, an overseeding and all this stuff. And it's like, uh, what, uh, what are they thinking? Like, uh how can they charge just that amount of money for all of those uh, services? Like that's not, it's not worth it uh, to do uh, all that stuff throughout the whole season uh, and basically only charge that. But what I started to notice in this past week, uh, I iterated that point as well because it is the fall season and a lot of those, you know, fall aerations and um, applications and renos and things uh, are starting to happen. Uh, even though I think 
typically, uh, especially for this year, depending on the lawn, of course, every lawn is different. Um, but, you know, uh, some of these lawns, uh, like I've complained about before, are not being watered uh, because of, you know, various issues with watering restrictions and all that stuff that I've uh, talked uh, about at nauseum in past episodes. Uh, so, and here's another example where, you know, there's these companies coming and they're, because they've got all these customers that have prepaid for this stuff, they're going out there and they're doing this stuff. But those lawns aren't ready for it. You can tell, like they did this one lawn I went to, I went to go mow and they did an aeration. They did an overseed. Uh, and I think they put fertilizer down. The aerator barely penetrated the ground. It was like less than a quarter of an inch at holes. It was basically just little, like you could see spots where the aerator tried to go, but it was, if anything, it was bouncing on the lawn because it hasn't had water in like three months. Uh, so, you know, it's like trying to aerate concrete. Um, so, you know, but they don't care because it's not their issue. Their issue is, Hey, they just got to say that it was done. It got done and that's it. They don't care about the results. So, you know, knowing your worth, knowing that, Hey, it's a different scenario. So don't compete with that stuff because here's another thing. They overseeded. There's some areas where there was some bare patches and stuff. And there was a bunch of seed that they put on those bare patches. This seed is just sitting on top. Again, we haven't had rain in three months. They didn't make any attempt to cover the seed. They didn't top dress. They didn't rake it in. They did nothing. They just threw seed on top of dry dirt that's been sitting there for three months. You know... 100% guaranteed that seed is doing nothing and will do nothing. Um, and then I noticed there was another area where uh, there's a shed and they have a, like a ramp uh, coming up uh, to the shed door uh, because the shed door is a little bit higher. So they, they had built a ramp and it had to, basically it looked like a deck uh, or decking material. And they had actually just this year replaced the boards that were there uh, with the um, uh, those uh, acrylic type uh, deck boards, um, composite uh, decking, basically. Yeah, the composite decking, right? So just like deck boards, they these boards are laid out um, to make a ramp and they have the gap or spacing in between each board like you would on a deck. And one thing I noticed was they had those grass seed all over these boards um, because, you know, they were using obviously a broadcast spreader for the seed. Um, so, you know, where, where else do you think that seed got? It got all over these deck boards, which means it would have gotten all in between those gaps, which means that now this clean deck and, you know, if that grass seed takes will grow up through those gaps in the boards and they're going to have grass sticking up in between the boards and it's going to look ridiculous. There was also grass seed all through the flower beds and that because they're using a, a broadcast spreader. Because why? Because it saves time because they don't want to have, uh, you know, another piece of equipment when they're using that one broadcast spreader to spread their fertilizer and all that stuff as well. So, you know, you start to see that sort of thing. There was uh, all over the street. I think they had more grass seed on the street and the curb where they were parked um, their truck and spilled grass seed there. Um, there was some areas where what, you know, aerating they did do, um, they tracked along the concrete and there was like the little plugs and stuff. They were, you know, basically just little dirt trails and stuff because it wasn't even like I said full plugs um, it was like little quarter inch pieces of grass and stuff here and there and and that's how they left it and so that's what I mean about knowing your worth and comparing you know if a customer comes up to you and says you know this customer charges this much is just taking you know note of those types of things because when I do those services it's not the same. It's like comparing apples to oranges. And 
you know, you have to stand by your pricing. And that's why, you know, for years and years and years, I was doing aerations at a certain price. Uh, if it was like $75 a home uh, for the, the types of houses I was doing. And these companies would come along that I've talked about in the past, where they hire a whole bunch of uh, students uh, and they're in these like 840 Econo line, uh, 15 passenger vans. And they're pulling a big flat deck trailer with like 14 aerators on the back of it. And they drop off a student in the, on the corner of a neighborhood and just have him go door to door and offer aeration services. But they're very aggressive sales and they will keep cutting the prices until the customer agrees, basically. And you would see, you know, they would aerate and then they put their little sign in the lawn. And you'd go through a neighborhood and you'd see these signs everywhere. And at first, I remember being, you know, again, like that feeling. You're starting, you're you're trying, you're only one person, there's only so much you can do. And then these uh, guys move into your territory, so to speak, with these aerators and all these, uh, you know, things and stuff. And you feel like, what the heck, like they're taking all the work, they're, they're, uh, destroying your business, all that sort of stuff goes through your head, right? And then you're, you find out how much they're charging. You're like, what? Like, I can't compete with that, uh, sort of thing. Uh, but then you start, you know, I, at least I start to take note again, uh, with, uh, you know, the quality of the work. The other thing I noticed on that customer's property was the amount of areas that were missed, all around the perimeters, anywhere where there was curves and things like that, they took big, long, lazy curves instead of going in tight into areas. They missed so much in terms of the aerating. The aerating was already doing nothing, um, but they were really doing nothing with the aerator. Like there was whole areas they didn't even aerate uh, or pass that aerator over uh, where they were just cutting corners and all, like literally cutting corners. Uh, so whole areas were, for me, when I'm aerating, I will back into those corners with the aerator, drop it down as tedious as it is to get in and out, in and out to make sure I'm getting full coverage and doing all that. And, you know, it's a completely different thing with the grass seed. I use a broadcast spreader for my fertilizers and for my lime, but I don't put grass seed in the broadcast spreader. I will use a drop spreader uh, and put seed in the drop spreader. It takes longer. Because you can now, you know, to make sure you're getting full coverage, you're walking behind that drop spreader and then you're coming back like you're mowing the lawn with a 21 inch mower and you're slightly overlapping and covering the lawn like that. So you're doing a lot more walking, a lot more coverage versus whipping around the lawn, you know, two or three times uh, and then you're done because you're broadcasting like a 10 foot uh, swath of grass seed, but you're also getting it everywhere. You're getting it in all the flower beds, you're getting it all over the patios, you're getting it, uh, you know, in those areas where you shouldn't on their decks and stuff like that. And then, you know, they've got to deal with grass growing in those areas after. So, you know, and then the cleanup not cleaning up after themselves, leaving all uh, that stuff behind, um, whether it's the debris from the aerator or the grass seed uh, all over those areas, things like that, uh, fertilizer pellets, all that sort of stuff. And so it's comparing that when you have that, you feel that pressure, you see uh, typically some companies and you see how quick they're doing stuff and you know they're undercutting prices and all that sort of stuff to remember that, you know, when customers are talking to you about stuff like that is to be able to point out that stuff. Um, you know, when you finally do quote them or they ask you for a price or something like that, and they're like, you know, you know, you're so much more expensive than, you know, such and such company or whatever the case may be, right? And to be able to point that out to say, well, it's like comparing apples to oranges. Uh, you know, it's not the same service. Yes, we're both aerating. Yes, we're both overseeding. Yes, you know, this and this, but there's a lot more to it than that. Um, the other thing is like a lot of companies will use like grass seed from like uh, Costco or Home Depot or like a Scotts brand, some retail brand of grass seed. And, you know, 
in some cases that may be fine depending on the type of grass seed if it is for that you know growing region and all that sort of stuff but a lot of times i find like those grass seeds will have a whole bunch of different varieties because it you know if it's a big like a huge like a scots type uh, grass seed or something like that some big you know retail name you know it's just a bunch of varieties of grass seed to work anywhere in North America. So there'll be something in there that'll catch, you know, it'll all start to grow right away, especially here with the cool season that we have, uh, you know, it'll all start to grow, but then you'll find, you know, some of the grasses in there that aren't really meant for this zone. They'll start to grow right, you know, in the beginning, but then they die off once those temperatures and things aren't really, uh, you know, meant for that uh, type of grass seed. And, you know, so you'll see companies using stuff like inferior product stuff, right? Where like, uh, for me, for example, when I'm using grass seed, I'm getting it from a grass seed supplier. All the seed that they have there is specifically for our region. That is what they specialize in is that, right? So it's grass blends, depending on what you're doing. There's like, you know, shade mixes, there's mixes for sports fields, there's, uh, you know, utility type mixes, there's all sorts of different um, varieties that you can choose from and blends and stuff of, of different types of grasses for whatever the use case. But the one thing they all have in common is that they're for this particular region. Uh, so there's a huge difference there. Um, and in fact, I have another customer who... Um, I don't mow their lawn. I just do the fertilizing and aerating and stuff for them. And they were asking me about, um, you know, overseeding some areas and stuff like that. And uh, I was telling them about that. And they said, oh, we actually uh, bought some grass seed. And I was telling them, oh, you know, just make sure it's a good quality grass seed and stuff. And uh, she was like, oh, can I show you the bag? So she went to go get the bag. She luckily, she didn't go to Home Depot or anything like that. Uh, not that there's anything wrong with Home Depot. I shop there all the time. Uh, but they went to like a, a, a specialty garden center. And they happen to have small bags of grass seed, but it's the same from the same seed supplier that I get. So that she's basically buying the smaller like retail bag where I buy the big, um, uh, you know, 25 kilogram bulk type bags of uh, grass seed. Um so she had like a little small, like five pound bag of grass seed and stuff. Uh, and, uh, it was the same type of grass seed. Right. Uh, so I was like, Hey, that's the same brand I use and stuff. So that's fantastic. It should do really well. Just do, you know, follow these steps and stuff. If you're going to do it yourself. So they did it. And then when I went back to visit them, they're like, Oh, you were completely right. That grass seed was fantastic. It was like the best we've ever used. And it's like, it's nothing special. It's just that it's grass seed for this area for this zone is specifically made for you it's not some generic retail brand that may or may not have you know you might be buying a bag of grass seed that's um you know however many pounds it is uh but it may maybe only 10 percent or 20 percent of that bag is actually applicable to your area the rest of it is basically filler because it's not grass seed that is uh for that particular growing region so going to a specific grass, you know, seed supplier and that sort of stuff, getting seed for the region. So there's a lot of things, you know, that you can do to set yourself apart. But the key thing there is to know your worth, know and recognize that those services are not the same. That yes, like I said before, yes, you're both aerating. Yes, you're both overseeding. Yes, you're both putting fertilizer down and stuff, but you know, they're not cleaning up after themselves. So there's an extra value there that you're adding. They're not using a drop spreader for seed. They're using a, you know, a broadcast spreader. So while right now it'll look fine in three months when there's grass growing all through those garden beds and all that stuff from, you know, the seed that was there being thrown into those areas because they're not taking that extra time and care and attention uh, to use like a drop spreader instead for grass seed or even better um, using something like a, a slit seeder uh, machine where it actually cuts the little slices, kind of looks like a power rake with a seed hopper on top. You fill the seed on top and you uh, use the machine and it actually cuts little slits in the ground and deposits seed into those slits there. Um, you know, stuff like that. 
there's a lot of things there that can set yourself apart that make it completely different. Uh, it's a completely different service, even though both those companies are probably charging for an overseeding. Um, that it's, you know, a completely different service. So when customers are coming to you or saying that you're too expensive or, or that sort of stuff, to be able to, you know, if you're so inclined, if it matters to you, to be able to point out those differences uh, and say, well, you know what, it's not actually the same service. Yes, you know, we're putting down the same thing, but the value that I'm bringing, the care and attention that I'm bringing um, is why, you know, even though my prices are more expensive, is a much more, you know, better value for you. Um, you know, uh, the fact that I'm here each and every week, uh, mowing your lawn and stuff like that. Uh, you know, if I'm the one doing the fertilizers, if I'm the one uh, doing the aerations, all that sort of stuff, you know, there's nobody better than me who's here each and every week taking care of your lawn that can spot issues that can tell what the lawn needs if it's time to fertilize, to do things at the right time as well. Uh, because again, if I'm the one cutting it, um, you know, I want to make sure that everything is timed perfectly so that the lawn looks good, so that, um, you know, it's not getting too much fertilizer too early, that it's timed perfectly, that that moss control is at the right time, that the overseedings and all that stuff are done, um, because it all benefits me as well in terms of the mowing, in terms of uh, the season, uh, and in terms of, uh, additional, um, basically marketing because, uh, that lawn is going to sell itself. Uh, like I have a lot of customers uh, who come up to me and say that, you know, they keep getting compliments on their lawns from people that walk by on like who takes care of your lawn. It, you know, it always looks so good, right? So it's in your best interest because you're there every week. You are invested in their property, in their lawn. So there's a huge difference there. Uh, and you need to, and it's difficult when you're starting out, when you're just beginning uh, to easily get discouraged uh, from the lowballers uh, that come around. Uh, from, and, and, you know, some of them are, like I say, some of them are those big companies, uh, those big conglomerate companies that, um, you know, they just come in, they've got a bunch of trucks, you know, thousands of uh, employees probably all over North America uh, doing, you know, just those applications, just those things, and they're undercutting the prices because they can, because they're working on bulk, uh, they're working on volume, but they don't have that investment in those customers' properties. They don't have that incentive. It's always a different employee each time every few months who's there for two minutes. And that's one of the biggest things I hear from those uh, clients is like, you know, uh, they'll say like, you know, they came, they're here for like 30 seconds. Like literally they run through the backyard once and they're gone and sort of thing, right? So the customers don't perceive that value, but they're roped into these situations where they have to prepay for that stuff uh, to get, you know, an extra discount or whatever the case may be. And that's how those companies work. They know that, um, you know, a lot of complaints will start to happen uh, with that sort of shoddy, quick uh, kind of workmanship. So one way around that for them, so that they don't have a whole bunch of cancellations is have offer a discount for people to prepay for the entire season. And, you know, that is sort of the the running thing. That's what they do. Uh, so they sign up, you know, they get all those door canvassers and, and things and they go door to door and they sign up, you know, thousands and thousands of lawns all over the city, uh, people prepaying for these packages. Uh, so then, you know, the rest of the year, uh, basically they can keep their crews going, uh, but they're doing very minimal effort, very thing. So, you know, it's, I learned early on to not worry about that stuff that, uh, as the story uh, that I told before um, in past episodes, uh, you know, of going to, uh, I was going to a garden center and I had my daughter with me. I had picked her up after school and I had to run to the garden center and we pulled up to this uh, garden center and uh, 
there was another truck that pulled beside me or I pulled beside them. I can't remember exactly. It was another uh, lawn care company with a trailer and stuff. And the guy was sitting in the, the driver's seat. And my daughter said to me, look, dad, it's your competition. And I said to her without, uh, you know, batting an eye or anything, I just said to her, no, he's not my competition. My only competition is myself. Uh, so I learned early on that that is absolutely 100% the case. While that other person may be mowing lawns, maybe doing things, he's not doing what I know I'm doing. Uh, he's not, um, you know, putting in, I can only control me. I know that the, the effort and all that stuff, uh, that I'm putting in is with me. And I see that. And typically, if a customer is coming up to you and comparing prices and using that as their strategy um, or using that as, you know, sort of a, a play to try to get you to lower your price or or negotiate or whatever the, the, the case may be, I know that that person who's providing those services is not doing the same. Because if they were doing the same effort that I'm doing, uh, of doing all that stuff, cleaning up after themselves, um, of, you know, using a drop spreader for seed, all that sort of, all those little, you know, they say the devil's in the details, all those little things uh, that that make up the difference, that they wouldn't be then the low baller price. They would then be, uh, you know, a, a much higher price. Uh, so then, you know, that customer wouldn't be coming to you with that sort of, uh uh, of a tact negotiation tactic of saying, you know, this person does it for this much or whatever the case may be, because it wouldn't be the case. Uh, anytime that that has happened, I can literally point to the work and say, well, here's the difference. You know, they're not, you know, it could be as simple as, you know, an aerator guy who's, um, you know, just doing those quick and dirty aerations. And you can literally see that they're skipping, you know, corners or uh, in you know prime conditions when we're getting a lot of moisture a lot of rain it should be super easy to core you know when i purchased my aerator um 17 years ago or 16 years ago because i bought it, it was i was in the business uh, it was the first i i uh, started my lawn care business in august of 2005 and it was like the next spring that I purchased an aerator and stuff from the day that I purchased that aerator I set the depth uh, for how deep I wanted those tines to go maxed out to as deep as it would go uh, so like three and a half inches or whatever the case uh, it may be for that aerator I don't know the exact uh, depth but whatever the deepest you know that it would go because again typically here in the Pacific Northwest it's springtime fall when we're doing aerations that's when we're getting the most amount of rain and it cores super nicely. So you can go really deeply. And most of the times, um, in fact, I've never used the weights uh, in my Bluebird 424 aerator. It's got the big steel solid weights that slide underneath because the ground is so soft here from all of the rain. This year might be the exception. We'll see. Uh, when I start doing my aerations, typically at the end of the mowing season, uh, in uh, you know after Halloween is typically when I go through and do my aerations. So we'll see if we have had rain by then. Um, after this, you know, last three months of no rain, see how the ground condition. This might be the year where I gotta pull out the weights to see. Um, depending, but I won't do the aerations until we get some rain happening. Uh, so, you know, there's another example there of the difference, like that company last week, they already did that customer's uh, lawn, they're aerating it. And it was like concrete, right? It's not time yet. The customer's not watering it. You know, you need to wait for that regular precipitation for the rain uh, to get that ground soft enough. So that's another thing that I would notice with some of these companies is that the aerators set so um, shallow um, that they're not doing anything, even when they're at optimal aerating conditions when my machine's pulling out these huge cores and you know i'll look at some of these companies where it has those students and stuff and it's like they're these little butts on the ground like there's nothing there there's there's no full cords i can't even stick my finger uh in the holes like up to my knuckles or something it's like barely my fingernail uh goes into the the core holes and it's like man this should be coring so easily with the conditions we have right now uh 
Um, you know, so there's, you see those differences and you can point them out and say, Hey, it's not the same service. They're, they're not going fully. They're cutting corners and then they're not even blowing off your sidewalk and driveway. They're leaving, you know, these cores and dirt and pieces and stuff all over. Uh, and then, you know, they may sell you on a fertilizer and stuff and then they're doing the same thing. And then you got fertilizer pellets all over the driveway. You know, that's another uh, thing that I've heard from clients is they say, um, you know, you're always so clean every time you do. And this is like on those clients that are like the, the fertilizer and aerations only, the ones I don't mow. I just do the fertilizers and stuff. And they're like, you're always so clean. Like you leave the place spotless. There's no signs of fertilizer on the patios and things. There's no, you know, the aeration, the cores are all cleaned up and stuff like that off of uh, the, the hard surfaces, the paved surfaces, all that sort of stuff, right? It's just those extras and they're not used to that when they hire those other companies so those other you know uh, door-to-door guys and all that sort of stuff there's a there's a big difference so knowing your worth knowing that hey yeah i'm charging more but i'm giving the customer much more value they don't have to come up after uh, come outside after me and get their garden hose or their blower or whatever the case may be and clean up the mess that i left behind um or you know have to do any of that it's all taken care of so yeah they're paying more for me to do it, but they're going to be much happier. And that's, you know, that has been the case over the years is that those clients will year after year after year be bombarded by those door-to-door salesmen, um, you know, asking to do this, asking to do that, and they will not go with them, even though they're offered much lower prices to do that same thing. They will wait for me uh, to go and do it for them. Um, so that's a huge, you know, for me, that is the evidence right there is that, uh, you know, I'm charging more and they will wait for me to do it uh, because of all those extras. They they can see that difference. So when you're, you know, quoting new clients or talking to clients, about those services, and they may have a competing company uh, doing that stuff is just keeping your eye out on what they're doing uh, and stuff. It's easy to spot out this customer that I was there this past week. I f- took photos of all of it, uh, I documented all of it, I documented all the seed on the street, I documented uh, the, what cores were left on the driveway and stuff like that from them tracking the machine. I documented the areas you could clearly see where they cut corners and left complete areas unaerated the seed all over uh the little ramp going to the shed where you know you're going to get grass there into the flower beds all that stuff i took photos of all of it Uh, and then i finished off the photos with a picture of the sign of that company they left their sign on the lawn so it's just one of those um you know one of those things right it's just like uh, and I think too, the customer had put some, for some reason, had put some plants on in pots and move them. They're just like some flowers or something, but they moved them onto the front lawn uh, for some reason. And that company went and did the thing. They didn't even move the pots out of the way. There's just like little eight inch pots, flower pots, uh, that the customer just happened to move. And this company came along, did their thing, and the pots were still sitting there. And it's like, they didn't even move them. So they didn't aerate where those pots were, they didn't, you know, they seeded around it, whatever the case, it's just two little flower pots, like move them out of the way, uh, sort of thing. So it's, there's a, looking at those things, you can spot the differences. There's clearly, you know, companies out there that, uh, like I said, they're just not invested. They're, they're there to make the money basically. Um, and you know, it is what it is. We're all in business to make money. We're all in business to uh, make a living and to pay, you know, um, all that sort of stuff. But um, it's a huge difference. And just knowing your worth to not get sucked into the trap of competing on, uh, you know, price alone uh, without knowing a uh, thing. Because in the end, if you do, you know, drop your prices, you're still going to be doing that, those extra services. And so literally the customer is not getting the same service. They're getting much more uh, for that, uh, you know, money. If you were to drop your price where you're already offering a much better value at the higher price. Uh, So just one of those things uh, to uh, watch out for. 
uh, is just to, uh, you know, know your worth and uh, have the confidence uh, built up in yourself to stick to those uh, higher prices, even though, uh, you know, there's a bunch of uh, you know, maybe low ballers and things around, um, uh, you know, trying to compete with you uh, with that sort of stuff, but, you know, clearly cutting corners on that sort of stuff. So, uh, that's it for this one, guys. Uh, hopefully, if you guys are uh, traveling out uh, to uh, the GIE, or sorry, <laughs> there, I did it again, the Equip Expo, uh, that uh, you guys all travel safe. I believe this will be uh, the last episode before, because uh, the next episode will be the day before uh, the Equip Expo opens, uh, the next Tuesday. So, yeah, uh, maybe you guys uh, will be listening to next week's episode while you're traveling uh, to the Equip Expo. Um, if you're not, uh, then uh, make sure you guys travel safe. Uh, again, in terms uh, for me, I'm not sure yet uh, whether I am going or not. Uh, it's likely going to be a last-minute decision uh, with the gout uh, that I've got. Uh, unfortunately, it's still sticking around. It's been over a week and a half now. Uh, I am taking proper uh, meds now uh, I did uh, was able to speak to the doctor he did give me a prescription uh, for it uh, so trying to see if that uh, will clear it up uh, but uh, as of right now it's still uh, a bit of a pain so uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to make it uh, but just uh, playing it by ear this week uh, before I make a final decision uh, probably towards uh, I think I'll probably hold off uh, well, I'll give myself until the weekend, at least uh, the weekend before uh, the Equip Expo to make a final uh, decision uh, to see, because I think that's when I can, um, up to when I can cancel my hotel if I had to, uh, is that, uh, and then uh, go from there and, and just see, even though I've actually had another offer uh, from somebody else as well to stay in a hotel with them as well. So I'm not sure uh, what I'd like to do uh, in terms of uh, um, for that, uh, just with the, the gout and stuff. So I'd want to, um, uh, you know, travel all that way. I'd be very uncomfortable uh, if I'm in pain and then uh, ultimately get to, you know, uh, the expo and uh, I can't really walk around uh, because of the gout, because uh, it's been a struggle uh, this past uh, week uh, with the lawn mowing and all that sort of stuff. So uh, hopefully it all clears up and I'm able to see uh, a lot of you guys there at the expo. That would be uh, my hope. Uh, you know, be fantastic uh, if uh, things uh, work out, especially after such a long delay. I was so I'm so looking forward to this year uh, after not being able to uh, go to the Equip Expo the last two years in a row because, of course, uh, uh, with COVID, uh, the first year being cancelled and then last year um, with the borders still being shut down for traveling and all that sort of stuff. So I was really looking forward to it. So I'm like, are you kidding me? That uh, <laughs> stupid gout uh, hits for the first time in two years uh, right now. So yeah, uh, if not, uh, then I wish you guys uh, all safe travels and uh, you know an enjoyable time at the Equip Expo. Hey, there, I got it right, the Equip Expo. And uh, if I am there, then uh, make sure if you see me to uh, say hi. So uh, that's it for this one, guys. Here's to wishing you guys all overwhelming success and freedom in your lawn care business. Bye for now. <laughs>